Welcome to the podcast of the Vine Church in Fullerton, California. For more information, visit thevineoc.com. Well, friends, as you know, we find ourselves in the midst of a crisis, in the midst of a pandemic. Recently, Bill Gates said this. He said, I believe this pandemic and our response to it will be the biggest defining moment of our lifetimes. Now, that's a big statement. And Bill Gates isn't known for making like wild hyperbole or uh, overstatement, but, but he's speaking at, at a societal level in terms of, you know, the economy and, and, and public policy and public health. And I think he's not far from the truth. But what I want to suggest to you today is that there's a corollary for this statement with respect to our personal lives, that actually that this is a, a defining moment for us as human beings, as individuals. And so maybe think about it like this. What was it that made the great generation great? Have you ever thought about that? What, what was it that made the great generation great? And I think a lot of people would say, well, World War II. And of course, that's a big part of the answer. But what I would add, it's not simply that they faced World War II. It's actually how they responded as they faced it. And, and friends, we are now in a moment that in many ways is like our World War II moment. But what I want you to see is that so much depends on how we respond in this time. Last week, I read an article by Ed Stetzer in Christianity Today, and Ed is uh, the director of the Billy Graham Center at Wheaton College. And he says this, and this is a, a challenging word. I just paraphrase slightly. He says, this too shall pass. But after it passes, will we have squandered the time waiting for things to go back to normal? Or will we have stewarded the time to learn something new that will help us thrive for the glory of God and the good of the world as we move ever further into the 21st century? And friends, I just want to say that I really believe that that is the question before us. And, and so we're starting today a new series called Formed because it is my belief that, that in this time that God is actually at work and there's actually a unique formative opportunity for us in this moment. Now we're about, I don't know, seven or so weeks into the, the kind of the quarantine phase of this pandemic, at least here in the United States. And it is a real thing, quarantine fatigue. And, 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 and so I know the temptation in this time can be to simply sort of, I don't know, count down the days until the country reopens and maybe life kind of returns to some semblance of normalcy. And by the way, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I just read an article yesterday in CBS News, and it was saying that the pandemic could last two years. Not, not lockdown orders, but, but the pandemic in terms of its general impact. And, and I hope that's not the case. But regardless of the specific duration of this pandemic, what we do know is that we're going to be in this for a while. And so if you're simply trying to, to wait this thing out, my concern is that there's so much opportunity you will miss out on. But there's so much that God wants to do in your life in this very moment. Romans 8, 28, famous scripture says this, 
It says, we know in, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. And so what that means is that God is actually at work right now in your life and mine. And so the question is, will we be receptive to what God is up to in our lives? Will we be responsive to what he wants to do? And, and my prayer lately has been, God, don't let me come through this season unchanged. God, is everything outside of me is changing? God, would you change me on the inside? Holy Spirit, would you work in my life? Lord, would you work in my heart? Lord, would you root out of me anything you want to root out of me in this time? God, would you form in me? Would you build in me anything you want to build in me in this time? But God, whatever you do, please don't let me go through this time unchained. And of course, we want to see our circumstances change as well. And we pray for that. But I believe that in this time, we are truly being called to prioritize our character transformation, our spiritual transformation into Christ's likeness. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, Paul, the apostle, he's, he's writing to the church in the city of Galatia, and they're facing many challenges, but notice his prayer for them is this. He says, my dear children, I'm again in the pains of childbirth until what? until Christ is formed in you. You see, that's what he longed for for them. And and I believe that God is uniquely at work in this season to form us, both so that we can navigate this season well, but also to set us up for the next thing that he wants to do, that he has in store for us. And so again, we're kicking off a new series today called Formed. And each week, we're gonna be looking at something specific that God wants to form in us in this time because it would be so tragic if everything around us in the world changed, but we didn't change. That would be such a tragedy. And so in this series, we're really leaning into our formation into Christ-likeness. And and today, I want to talk to you about how God wants to form us into people who follow Him, people who follow His lead. And I think a wonderful image, a wonderful picture of this dynamic is the image of dance partner dance. So if you've ever watched, I don't know, ballroom dancing, or maybe you've done that before. So, so why is this a helpful image? Well, partner dance is a dynamic engagement between two people, right? And really God has called us into a relationship with himself in which he leads, and then we are called to respond. We are called to follow. Now contrast this to just going on a walk by yourself, you know, where you're just kind of guided by your own thoughts. You're just kind of doing your own thing. You're just walking in a straight line. It's fairly predictable. And, and sometimes we live our lives like that. But really, God has called us into an amazing, exciting, dynamic relationship with, itself, with himself, where, again, he leads and we are called to follow. And, and, and in this reality, there, there are pivots, there are movements, There are ways in which God is trying to lead us into things at particular times for our good, but also so that we might be a blessing to the world. And so the risk is if we're not keeping in step with our holy dance partner, the Holy Spirit, then we run the risk of missing those unique opportunities. And and, and following God, of course, is always important. But I, I, I believe it, just I have such a strong sense that in this moment, this is uh, even heightened in importance because we are now living in a moment with both unique challenges, but with also unique 
opportunities as kingdom people, which we could miss if we're not keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, Jesus himself, we're told, was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, for example. And in Jesus himself, one of the things he said to his first followers, he said what? He said, follow me. And really, that is at the heart of his invitation, I believe, in this season, that we would be people, that we'd be formed into people who follow him, people who are responsive to his leading in our lives. And so to help us learn what this dance looks like, we're going to look at a significant moment in the life of God's people. Again, we're in Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 through 22. And the context here is simply that the Old Testament people of Israel, they've just been freed from slavery in Egypt. God has delivered them. And so they're now finally able to leave Egypt. Moses is leading them. And Moses was an amazing leader, an amazing man. And I think probably his greatest strength was that he was a man who followed the Lord. He listened to the Lord. He sought the Lord and he followed. He obeyed. So let's just kind of walk through this story together. Again, Exodus chapter 13. And really right at the start of the story, it actually kind of takes an unexpected turn. Verse 17, we read, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. No, that's interesting, right? I mean, that's kind of surprising. I mean, if I was charting this course, I probably would have said, Hey Siri, what is the fastest route? What's the, what's the most efficient route between here and the promised land? What, what's the quickest way to get there? And I'm sure Moses and the Israelites would have probably done the same thing if they were just relying on their own best thinking. But thankfully, in this moment, Moses didn't rely on his own best thinking, his own best strategy, his, his own best effort. And by the way, that is a great temptation in this time to simply react to our changing circumstances in the flesh to try to make things happen or make decisions without praying, without seeking God, to just maybe rely on our old playbook or someone else's script for our life. But we see here that Moses knew better. He knew that especially in moments of crisis and transition, the only thing that makes sense is to seek God and to follow his lead. Now, before moving on, you might wonder, well, why would God lead them in a, on a path that is so inefficient? I mean, it, it, it's kind of puzzling, right? And, and perhaps you can relate. So have you ever been on a journey with God, let's say, you know, to land in a particular career or maybe see a promise of God fulfilled in your life? And it seems like God's not leading you on a very efficient path. And you're like, I wanted to reach this desti- destination yesterday. Like, why are we still on this journey? Well, I ever arrive. God, are you really charting this course? Why is this taking so long? And and we struggle because I think sometimes we assume that God's main value is our main value, which so often is efficiency, right? In other words, external outcomes that happen relatively quickly. But you have to know that God actually has a broader set of values, a broader set of things he cares about, central of which is actually your formation and mine, that we be formed into his likeness. So let's turn back to the story. We're still in verse 17. It says, For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. 
You see, the people of God were focused on the battle around them, the battle before them, the battle outside them, but God knew that there was actually a battle within them that had to be won first, and they weren't even aware of it. It says the Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. And what this seems to indicate is that they thought they were ready for battle, but in point of fact, they weren't because again, the prior verse just says that they did not, God did not lead them on the road to the Philistine country, though that was shorter, for God said if they were face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt, which is just, again, think about it, returning to slavery. So in other words, there's something in them that needs to be transformed first before they can enter into their destiny for what God has for them. Verse 18, so God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. And no doubt this would have felt like a detour for them. This would feel like a detour, um, uh, you know, again, from, from what God had promised them. But what you have to understand is that which would feel like a detour is actually the very thing that God was leading them into to prepare them for their destiny. And in his wisdom and in his mercy, God led them on this journey. And, and thank God they followed, but that was probably difficult. I mean, think about this. This would have looked like a dead end path, taking a, a journey toward the Red Sea, which is again, this, is, this looks like a dead end. Uh, but thankfully, as we, as we sang earlier today, that God is the way maker. But again, I can imagine in this moment, Moses thinking, God, are you sure about this? But what you have to see here is that Moses followed and he led the people of Israel in following God, even when they couldn't see the way at that moment. Such a beautiful uh, moment. But, but, but here's what I found. I just want to kind of slip this in here, that everyone wants the promise, but not everyone wants the process. Everyone wants to experience the promise of God, but not everyone wants to go through the process that it takes to enter into that. And Moses, however, he embraced the process. He followed God even when he didn't understand. And I believe that this is one of the most important things that we can learn in this moment to follow God, to follow his lead, to keep in step with the Holy Spirit in the midst of this dance that we find ourselves in. Not simply, again, following a life script that we came up with or someone else came up with, not just following our own best thing, but really leaning into God and following Him in this time. Now, those of you who've been with us a while, you know that my wife Ansley and I, we, we planted this church around seven and a half years ago, just with a very small group of friends. And that really the reason is because we got a sovereign call from God. And, uh, you know, my, my, that wasn't, church planning wasn't my life's ambition, that wasn't my career track. I'm not one of those guys who did like 20 church planner boot camps in college. You know, I just simply got a call and we were just thrust into this journey by the Lord. And if I'm honest, it has been a, a challenging journey, but the blessing of this journey is that it's forced me to really press into God and to seek Him in such a deep way because I'm just so constantly you know, just confronted with my need. I mean, I can't change people's lives. I can't save anyone. I can't grow a church. I can't, you know, uh, make our budget happen. All these things. I'm just so constantly aware of my need for God and His wisdom and His guidance and His presence and, and His power. And so, although it's been a difficult journey, the, the, the blessing is I've learned to rely upon Him in a deep way. And friends, I just have to say that that process, I wouldn't trade that, though it's been hard, I wouldn't trade that for anything. I wouldn't trade that for anything. But really, just all that to say that the call 
for all of us in this time is to lean in to God, to lean into his presence, to be like Moses. And there's later in the scriptures, it talks about how, how, how God would speak to Moses as a friend, just face to face. They had just this intimate relationship. And so the call is that we would be people, again, like Moses, like the Israelites in this moment, that we keep our eyes fixed on that pillar of cloud by day, that pillar of fire by night, that we would just fall wherever God leads. So, so really, again, the best thing we can do in this time is to lean in to the Lord. And, and I know many people are facing key decisions in this moment. I just, again, I want to encourage you to not rely on your own best thinking, but to bathe those things that you're facing right now, to bathe them in prayer, to yes, seek wise counsel, but also seek God, seek His counsel in this and, and just follow His lead in that. Now, in verse 19, it says, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. Joseph was, was the son of, of the patriarch uh, um, Jacob, and uh, he was a grandson to Abraham, inheritor of the promise uh, that God had given Abraham. So it says, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. Now, what this part of the story reminds us is that the Israelites' departure from, from Egypt, their journey was actually part of a much bigger story, a much bigger story of what God had been doing over the course of centuries. And so I just point that out to remind us that you and I are actually caught up in the midst of a grand story that spans the millennia, and it doesn't begin with us, it doesn't end with us, it's actually God's story, but the amazing wonderful thing is that we get to be a part of it, that we get to be a part of what God is doing in the world. It's such an awesome privilege. Now, verses 20 and 21 says, After leaving Sukkot, they camped at Eltam on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them. Now, notice that it says the Lord went ahead of them. Very key to notice here. Uh, sometimes uh, we, we get that reversed and we can get ahead of Him. And then we can ask, you know, like, God, you know, where are you? But of course, if your goal is to follow someone, it is so important that you let them lead. Now, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, and I don't maybe think we do this as much with smartphones, but have you ever had an experience where maybe you're at a friend's house or a family member's house, and you decide it's a group of people, and you say, hey, let's go to this restaurant, this new restaurant, and maybe you don't know where it is, but someone uh, at the house are like, hey, I know where it is, follow me. And so everyone gets in their cars, but what happens, uh, the person you're following, they're kinda, you know, they're, they're kind of a slow driver. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience, for me this is purely hypothetical of course, where the person you're following, again, they're, they're kind of a slow driver and at some point you think, you know, I think I got it from here and I'm just gonna kinda zoom ahead. And but then what do you know, all of a sudden you realize, I, I'm lost. I, I don't actually don't know where, where I'm going. And, and that is the risk when we get ahead of the Lord that we can find ourselves kind of lost. And, and, and so the key is that we actually don't get ahead of Him, but that we stay behind Him and we follow Him. Now there's another kind of, uh, I don't know, pitfall that we can fall into. And it's that when we can, sometimes we can lag behind. One temptation, again, is to get ahead of the Lord. The other temptation is to actually lag behind. And sometimes that's for fear. Sometimes, I don't know, we're just kind of stuck in our ways. And sometimes God's actually doing a new thing. And he says, forget the old thing. I'm doing a new thing. Don't you have eyes to see? I'm inviting you into this. I'm trying to lead you into a new thing. And I actually think for, for many of you watching, actually God is doing a new thing in your life right now. And he's calling you to be open and to trust that what he has in store for you is actually good and that you can trust him. 
And so again, sometimes we get ahead, sometimes we lag behind, but the, but the, the call for all of us is to follow, is to follow. Now in verse 21, it says, by day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And so we read here about a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. And what these are, are what scholars call theophanies. In other words, these are tangible manifestations of the presence of God with his people. And so if you thought the burning bush was amazing, like this is just like next level theophany. This is like amazing. But what we see here is that these manifestations of God's presence were the means he used to lead his people in this trying time, in this transitional phase to guide them. Now, just as God, I just want to kind of bring this to our context, that just as God really longed to lead his people then, that he still wants to lead his people now. He wants to lead you. He wants to lead me. John chapter 16, verse 13 says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he's referring to the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all the truth. See, that is something God wants to do. He wants to guide you. He wants to lead you into all truth. And we see this theme actually throughout the scriptures, this theme of being led by God, led by the Spirit of God. And so again, his part is to lead. Our part is to follow in this dance we find ourselves in. Now, verse 21 goes on to say, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. Now, what was the point of the light? Well, obviously, it was, it was, it was to help them so they could see, right? My, my power went out yesterday, and so uh, it was very difficult to see. Uh, but God, really, what we see here is that God wanted to give the Israelites light so that they could see, and then likewise, He wants to bring light into our lives that we can see. Now, I know many people feel just a sense of confusion right now or disorientation. Many uh, people feel fearful, but the wonderful news is that we have a real God. He is a living God. He is an active God, and He really actually wants to meet you in this moment. He wants to bring His light into your life. And you might wonder or might think, well, hey, that's great. But last time I checked, I've never seen a pillar of fire to kind of show me where to go or what to do. So how is this supposed to work now in our lives today? Well, I'm I'm glad you asked. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus Christ. You see, that same light that was on display in the pillar of fire is actually most fully on display in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself put it like this. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, now note that word, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And really, friends, that's what God longs to give you, the light of life, and that comes from him that is found in him. Jesus is God in the flesh and the same God who led Moses and the Israelites. And he was actually so desperate to actually to, to, to be reconciled, to have humanity reconciled with him, to be restored to right relationship with him, that he came in the person of Jesus Christ to save us, to be our light in the darkness, but also to deliver us from the darkness, both the darkness within us, the darkness outside of us, because it is, it is too great for us. So Jesus came 
to overcome the darkness through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, to be our savior, to free us from the power of darkness and to bring us into his kingdom, into his family, to live life, that we might live life and know true life under his rule and reign. And Jesus actually says this about why he came, John 10, verse 10. He says, the thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And the tragedy is that so many people are merely existing. But what Jesus wants to bring to us is life and is available here and now through him. And some of you today, the invitation, maybe you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus. And so the invitation for you today is really that you can give your life to him, that even today you can begin following him and you can receive his life, you can receive his truth, you can receive his light and his favor and salvation. And so at the end of the message, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond. But those of us who've been following Jesus, the invitation for us is, is to keep following and even to follow more closely, to press into God in this time. So the Lord was guiding the people of Israel and they followed him even though the course was uncertain. And it says in verse 22, neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. And so just as the pillar of, of cloud never departed from the people on their journey, what, one of the most glorious promises of scripture is that God will never leave us nor forsake us, that we read in Hebrews 13, 6, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And this promise is repeated throughout Scripture. So just I just want to encourage you just to let that sink into your heart, to let that truth just really just fill you with joy and hope and peace this morning. So, so God wants to lead us, and therefore our call is, is to follow. And again, it's like a dance, and, and His role is to lead, our role is to respond and, and to follow. But I, I truly believe that in this time that God wants to form us even more into people who are responsive and who follow his lead. Now, just to get very practical before we close, I, I wanna share just, just two things uh, briefly. And, and first is that in, in order to follow God, really the first step is, is discerning how he is leading, right? So, so what that means is that we need to stay close to him. Just as, you know, if you're with, you're doing partner dance again, maybe think of ballroom dance. And, and if you're the follow and the other person is the lead, it's so important that you stay close to them, that you are really in tune with them, and, and that you're following uh, their, their lead. David uh, Blanchard and Andy Crouch in a recent article, they say, you need habits and practices that sustain your reliance upon God and not yourself. And I think that's such a good word because we can listen to a message and be like, you know, that sounds good. I want to follow the Lord this week. But then our week begins and maybe we're homeschooling kids and just it kind of falls away, just kind of gets lost somewhere in the atmosphere. And so I just want to suggest that in this time, it is so important that you in kind of can inculcate certain habits and practices in your life to help you stay close to God. And just central, two central practices would be just spending time reading the Bible daily, regularly, and also to spend time in prayer. And friends, if you have any questions about how to do that, we would love to come alongside you in that and just help you. We've got, we've got Zoom-based small groups in this season where we're learning and growing and following Jesus together as a community. And so we just invite you into community to step into uh, this family deeper with us but that's just a practical encouragement that, that you would find practices that would help you stay close to God 
in this time. But of course, not only do we need to discern how God is leading, that's really the first step. But the second thing is that we need to respond, that we need to follow, or uh, in other words, we need to uh, obey. And, and I know that's, that's language that sometimes people chafe at, but really, I just, just have to say that there really is no life apart from obedience to God. There's just no life apart from that. Now, there's some things that might appear to be life, uh, but as Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. But friends, God's heart for us is life, and that comes as we stay close to Him, as we follow Him. And I just want to read to you from Psalm 105 briefly, then we'll close here. Uh, verses 43 through 45. And, and, and the reason is because this psalm, really at the end here, it sums up the fruit of Moses and the people's journey of following God on, 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 this, on this journey. And so earlier in the psalm, it talks about how they follow the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. But then in verses 43 through 45, it says this, So God brought out His chosen ones with singing. With a joyful shout, they were set free. He gave them lands and nations just like He promised. Fruitful lands of crops they had never planted were now theirs. All this was done for them so that they would be faithful to keep the ways of God, obeying His laws and following His truths. And it closes by saying, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. And friends, really, that is the fruit of following the Lord in this dance. Now, I just want to close with just a beautiful story of this sort of life, this sort of fruit, uh, this sort of just beauty that flows as we live lives of following God, and not just in kind of a vague, general way, but even in the moment by moment of our lives as we attend to Him, as we listen to His voice, and as we respond. So as many of you know that recently our, our church helped launch a mobile food pantry in a, a low-income neighborhood near our church. We're partnering with two other churches and two Christian nonprofits in our city, and it's just been such an amazing thing to see how God is moving. And two weeks ago, there were leftover groceries after all our guests had been served. And Marsha Grimm, who leads our homeless ministry, she, she shared with me yesterday that, um, that in, in this moment when, again, the, all, everyone had been served and, and there are these leftover groceries, she said, it's like God just deposited this thought into my mind that the residents of City Lights, which is a, a community of low-income uh, community for uh, uh, people with disabilities that just around the corner from our church, she just felt like God just kind of deposited this thought in her mind that they actually need food. Now, she had no prior knowledge of that, but uh, just so it turns out that our, our friend Jay Williams was standing right there. She was just speaking this out loud, and Jay leads OC United, just an amazing uh, Christ-based nonprofit in our city. And he said, hey, I, I actually have the cell phone number of, of, of the social worker. Uh, for City Lights. And so Marsha reached out. The social worker picked up the phone, which is kind of amazing because, I mean, so often people don't pick up the phone if your number's not in their phone. And, and so they spoke, and it turns out that City Lights did have a need. And so we were able to bring those uh, extra groceries to City Lights. They were super blessed. But then I got an email this past Thursday of just something amazing that happened. So uh, this past Thursday, again, there was just actually kind of an abundance of, of, of extra groceries. And, and, and again, God put it on our hearts to specifically Dennis and Carrie Cruz, who will run point on, on our partnership in, in the food pantry to, to actually reach out to City Lights to see if they had a need for food. And, and so, so Carrie uh, Cruz um, 
uh, emailed me. I just want to share her telling of the story because it's just an amazing story. And I really believe this will encourage you as we close. But she says that after they gathered all the groceries and kind of stuffed them into her car. And it says this, she says, when we dropped off the hatchback full of food, the social worker was waiting outside with some of the residents. They began to clap their hands. She told us that she had been so stressed and worried all day yesterday because she did not know what the residents were going to eat. They had no food. She had exhausted all her leads and was at her wit's end not even sleeping last night from the worry. We had contacted her this morning to tell her we'd be asking for the leftovers, but we would not know until 4 p.m. what the outcome would be. At 3.43, she started checking her phone. No call. 3.46, no call. 3.50, no call. Finally, at four o'clock, she got the call from Dennis. She was ecstatic and gathered up all the residents she could to come out on the streets with carts to receive the food. Carrie says, there is a lot of food in my Mazda CX-5. The food and the timing of its arrival were such a miracle blessing to her, although she didn't use that word. I'm not sure of her faith, but we were able to tell her how God just loves to meet all our needs in surprising ways. We had fun saying, thank you, Jesus, with her. What an amazing blessing. And she goes on to say, this is Carrie's thoughts. She said, it reminded me of classic missionary and orphanage stories I've heard where God comes through in just the last moment. I'm going to be praying and listening for just the opportunity to see if we can pray for her. Friends, isn't that a beautiful story? But what I want you to see is that what set that up was someone like Marcia, who just simply had her ear tuned to God. She was just kind of keeping her eyes on the Lord. And in the midst of that, he gave her a prompting and she responded. And that just opened up a doorway for kingdom blessing for so many people. And so for me, that is just such an encouragement that in this time, that again, that we would press in to the Lord. Because I, again, I truly believe that in this time, He wants to form us even more into people who follow His lead. And friends, as we press into that, I just, I just believe we're going to see so much abundance and so much life. And so as we close, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond. And so if you would, maybe you just might want to just bow your head. And, and if it would help you focus on God, you might want to just close your eyes. And, and if you're with us online today, and uh, maybe it's kind of like the light switch flipped for you today. And it's like there was kind of an aha. And maybe you're like, you know, uh, I've never entered into a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe I did once upon a time, but I've wandered away. And it's like, this is my time. This is my time to reconnect or to connect for the first time with God through Jesus Christ. And I just want to give you an opportunity to respond. If you would like to give your life to Him, if you would like to follow Him, if you would like to experience His hope, His freedom, if you would like Him to come and free you from the darkness in your life, I just want to give you a very simple opportunity to respond. I just want to invite you just to pray a simple one-sentence prayer. It doesn't need to be complicated. And you can just, if that's where you are today, you can just pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. And that's not all you want to pray. It's just the start of a conversation. But if that's you today, I just want to encourage you. Would you just find a way to verbalize that? Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Lord Jesus, would you come into my life? Would you change me? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Would you fill me with peace? Would you fill me with hope? Would you shine your light on me? And would you forgive me? 
of all the darkness in my life. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. If that's a prayer you prayed today, I just want to pray for you. So Father, I thank you for everyone who just crossed that line of faith, who just crossed what the scripture says, from death to life, life in your kingdom. And so Lord, I just pray your blessing upon every person who just prayed that prayer, that you would surround them, Lord, with your presence, that you would surround them with your love, Lord, that you'd even just send your angels to surround them, Lord. The, your word says that the, that, that the angels in heaven rejoice, they throw a party whenever anyone turns to you. And so we thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. And we just, we, just, we just say, we love you. Would you give us all the grace, Lord, to press into you, to lean on you, to seek you, to follow you in this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.